Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. We're going to begin with a prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' holy name, and we thank you, Lord our God, that you call us to be salt, light, and leaven in this world. You call us to be in the world, but not of the world. You call us to be prepared and to take action, and yet to trust and to be ready to be led forth by you. Lord, you call us to be willing to be decisive and to be receptive. Lord, our God, I ask that you give us the grace to discern the signs of the times and to take action in accord with the gospel as it applies to our lives. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of this Lent, for the graces that you've offered to us. I repent and we do repent for all those ways in which we have fallen short. Amen. But Lord, we ask also for the grace of a fresh start and a new beginning as we approach Holy Week and the sacred triduum. Help us to put in the real effort to correspond to your grace. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, dear, it is it is it's, it is really nice to have you here. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, uh, and we're going to enter into the program by using as an entry point one of the biggest paradoxes, one of the biggest challenges that we face in our lives of faith. Do you know what it is? No. Well, were you listening to my prayer? Will you because give I used me? about seven of them. <laughs> Multiple choice. Yeah, so is our life of faith based on grace or human effort? Okay. Is uh, is our call as Christians to be in the world or of the world? So there's not just one. You're there's a whole bunch, okay. but they circle around the same reality. You seem to like paradoxes. You seem to like to hold up opposing ways of looking at things. Maybe that's because you like chess or your mind thinks on parallel Lanes. It's because I'm a systematic theologian. Uh, theology, and, and what was, do you remember the, that one word that described my major area of concentration within systematics? Uh, it's an H word. Hermeneutics. Hermeneutics. Yes. Don't ask me yes. to spell it. Right. Do you know what that means again? Um, the, yes. The science of nudics. interpretation. Okay. The science of nudics. What? <laughs> <laughs> Because all theology is an attempt to interpret God's revelation. God has revealed himself to us fully in Christ, but we have to try to interpret what does that mean? What's he saying when he says that? What does that actually mean for us today? All of those sorts of things. So when I have studied uh, church teaching, dogmas, and then the unfolding of uh, church teaching over the course of 2,000 years— one of the things that becomes uh, apparent is the need to be able to interpret for personal situations, to interpret for particular moments in history. What's the Lord saying to us now? What's the Lord saying to us through this? That's why I ended the prayer with, Lord, give us the grace to read the signs of the times and discern them in the light of the gospel. What's different from now versus 20 years ago? Everything seems kind of the same. Yeah, that, was that was a joke. I'm That's like, what? Who joke. are you? Did Who you are you? Joke? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. You, your tone, your attitude, the, the <sighs> calmness, the way you did that. You, you threw me off, dear. Well done. Well I don't played. Know. Yeah, things today are so different than five years ago, three years ago. And it is a time where I continually question, Lord, what is going on? What are you doing? Not just in my own personal life. In looking at my own life of faith, but also in, you know, our family life, and then in the community, and then in my family in Seattle. Like, I just try to, and then I think in the life of the whole church, the whole Catholic church around the world, what is happening? Where is God leading this church? Or where is the church going where God isn't leading it? And it's just a, it's a very different time. Yeah, I would say that in the last, I would say if you wanted to put a peg in the calendar board, the end of June, three and a half, almost four years ago, that was a major 
time of breakthrough in terms of my consciousness and the unfolding of it. And That's 2019 or 2018? 2018. 2018. Yeah, 2018. The summer yes, of 2018. It was called the summer of shame. And that was when you had the now Theodore McCarrick revelations. And it was, I talked about the scales falling from the eyes. Um, and that just went downstream from there. Just more all, confirmation. All kinds of changes for us. <laughs> Yeah, confirmation about things, but a, a, an awakening and a sense of the need to take action. And look where we're at, you know, f almost four years later. It's very disorienting, as I can say as a mom in her 50s in menopause, <laughs> another very disorienting time of life, that it feels hard. It's difficult to get firm footing. And it can be as simple as where are we going to be next summer? Where do my kids go to school? What kind of trips do we take or not take? Do we put them in sports? Do we not? Do they go to college? Do they not? It just feels like what we had planned out for so many years and just, you know, expected to act in these certain ways is just no longer a reality. And I, I'm saying this because I feel like I cannot be the only person to feel so disoriented. And I think that really impacts my spiritual life, my mental, my physical, and then relational health. So, Well, do you... See, here's the thing. I feel like you visit that world. The what you just described, I don't think you live there or that you've lived there a lot in the last year, even though we're just coming out of like COVID craziness we've had a pretty normal life, but there is, in the last six months, a, 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 a raising up of a, a new factor, that new, the economic reality of inflation, I think has introduced into your world um, like a, almost a return to some of these it, my foundations are shaken. The overarching picture of things are shaken because of what you just said. Well, and I think finances affect people significantly, maybe more than they should, but a lot of how I look at, you know, the day-to-day -day doings and happenings is based in some, some type of economies to how much things cost. Are we able to do this? I don't think it affects us as much as it could or should, but... It does, I think with listening to several of the podcasts that I listen to regarding economy and the global world, the macro versus the micro, and like, let me sound like I really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't have a clue. But, you know, for the last two years, these economists have said, this is coming down the pike. This is getting closer. This is, there is a dam that is going to burst, a huge dam. And right now they're just putting Band-Aids on these little holes where it's starting to stream. And now they're actually seeing these dams break. I don't know if you read the, there's an article about um, Germany because they get a lot of their energy from Russia and the whole Ukraine, Russia. But their gas or natural gas or both. Yes. And so the all, pipelines. Do you know what Aldi Russia. is? Old, Aldi? Aldi, A-L-D-I. I don't. It's like, uh, it's relatable to Trader Joe's and it's around the country I know this from, it's a grocery store, so like Trader Joe's. I know this from some of the um, large Catholic family sites I follow on Facebook or whatnot, and it's the best shopping prices you can get for goods. And so a lot of these moms are very economical. We don't have Aldi in the Northwest, the Pacific Northwest, and I'm not sure why it hasn't come here, um, but it's probably equivalent to Winco. And just um, over the weekend... You said Trader Joe's before, and when I think... Trader Joe's, I don't think Winco. When I think Winco, <laughs> I don't think Trader Joe's. So you, you just kind of like chose almost the two extremes of, of supermarket shopping. So is it more like Winco or is it more like Trader Joe's, dear? <laughs> so Trader Joe's is more like Winco than Fred Meyers or Safeway or Albertsons or Walmart. What? It is less expensive. Are when you, you serious? Yes, I it, felt. It, I had the impression that 
I feel like I have to dress up. I have to wear khakis and a polo shirt. And or a mask. A, and a North Bend. <laughs> Two masks yeah, to go to Trader not Joe's. Not North Bend. What do you call those shirts? <laughs> Patagonia. North face, yeah. North face, whatever. Boy. I, um, yeah, it does serve a more of a yuppie whole foods. There. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And, so I, that, and I, I almost get a tattoo every time before I go into that store. <laughs> Sorry, that was a joke. But it, it's very hip and it's, yeah, it does have a marketing hip with itness that Winco will never have, <laughs> which is why I love going to Winco. But um, no, for example, this just like, let's just talk about basic inflation. The largest increase in a product I've seen, you'll never guess. Milk. No. Butter. No, you want to uh, just keep bacon, guessing. bananas. Ba- no, it went up three hundred percent. That's so that's like times. milk going from two fifty to seven fifty nine. That was good, seven fifty. Got that? Yep. <laughs> okay. Good job, dear. Lettuce, my romaine lettuce. Lettuce what? Lettuce go to the lettuce. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> ha ha ha. No, I'm not that quick. Um, I buy three heads of lettuce all the time at Winco for one ninety eight for the last five years. I'm almost sure that price has not changed. And then in the course of two months, it went to five ninety eight for three heads of lettuce. Yes, the three pack that's already like yeah. supposedly pre washed. And then they got rid of it at Costco. They don't even sell it there anymore. Really? I don't know why a supply chain issue, or maybe there was a big huge storm of locusts or whatever that bug was last year. This Cadia. Maybe they ate lettuce. I don't know why it went up 300%. But just it, make something up. That was, sounds, sounds good. <laughs> it is the highest increase in anything. And I just cannot figure out why. And I do ask the guys at the produce site. When I go into Winco now, because you have to buy bags, and I always forget to bring them, I always go to the produce guys and goes, hey, do you guys have any boxes? And they all kind of look at me. And now they know me because I don't want to buy a bag. So I just do what Costco does. I take their produce boxes and fill my cart with you Really? Yes, and I come home. I don't home. know any of these things about my wife. This <laughs> if is you so, don't, I like that's if you very clever. forget your shopping bags. Eight cents, bags, baby. Eight cents. Go and grab them from the, the produce section always has them because they're going through a lot of produce. And then the cereal, not the cereal aisle. There's a couple other aisles where you can go and grab a few. And I do it all the time. So I was also in the, let's get two stories. Uh, regarding Trader Joe's and Winco, I went to Trader Joe's and the romaine lettuce was 100% cheaper. It was only three ninety eight. And I asked them how Carrie, long... It can't be 100% cheaper. 200. Because that's know. zero. Oh. <laughs> no. If it went from 198 to 598, yeah. that's 300%, correct? Uh, no, that's 100%. No, because 100% you said would be 250 $4. to 750. Okay, let's just take off so the... So if it was $3, no, that's 298. It, you no, double it, that's $6. It went from $2. Okay, from 198. To $6. Okay, from 2 to 6, that's three times, right? That's so what that's I said. 300%. Oh, okay, my math still yes. works. <laughs> But then I went to Winco and it was only, or um, Trader Joe's and it was only $4. Okay. So, so it had only so gone up 100%. 100%. You could say it was 33% I, I, I'm just less. I'm telling you, Trader Joe's does sometimes have things, if it's not organic and free of everything, it does compare. Um, anyhow, I went to the, I was there early in the morning after dropping off the kids and the people that fill all this, the um, different shelves, the suppliers were there and the guy from Lay's Potato Chips, they were all there with their boxes and I asked for a couple of those. <laughs> I said, have you noticed shrinkflation? And he's like, oh yeah, definitely. He goes, I, I can tell you what packages and how often. He said, did you know that at our factories, we can decrease a bag of chips by two chips? They can program it to that detail. So I don't know, really know how you would tell that your Lay's potato chips has two less chips, but over the course of a year, it's probably like 24 less chips. And therefore, I mean, I just thought it was really interesting that that we just are dumb consumers. Oh, da, 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 put this in the card. It's still 298 But you don't realize that the content is less. You used a less. phrase for it I never heard before. Shrinkflation. Where'd you hear that? I've never heard that before. Uh, it's been going around the economy world. I think I know what it means. Like we used to identify the fact that cereal boxes that face out, right? They have the same profile, the same face, mm-hmm. height and width. But then but when it's you the turn depth, it, right? it's, it's like a, a small magazine size yeah. thickness. And, and so it it is, yes. is, sh- is shrinking down by 20% or 25%. And it's costing the same or even more. Yes, you definitely so, know it with cereal is a key one. And um, 
it's harder to tell with some items. Like they can't shrink milk and eggs and butter. Oh, yeah, you can't a gallon. You can't That's tell. True. So there's where you can see some discrepancies, but the but you can't tell with chips and with um, cereal boxes and ice cream. Right, things that are 18 ounces can become 14 ounces yeah. or 12 ounces, and they can look pretty much the same. So that's interesting. All right, we're up against a break. When we come back, uh, more on this on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. So, Carrie, just before the break, you're with me. And one of the aspects of faith and family is how do we prepare for the world that our kids are entering into? How do we provide for our kids and our family in the current reality? And then where do we get insight into like big picture things like the economy and what's happening in the economy? And then are we supposed to take action? Do we just trust in the Lord? Do we just pray and just trust that the, the Lord's going to take care of all of this and, and we don't have to do anything? Or could things get worse for a particular family who doesn't take action as compared to a family that does? Uh, these are big questions and, and I think important questions. And I think it's one of those things where not everyone has the same aptitude or interest or capacity to study and probe these things, to discern different sources of information. And then in the light of that, also finding the will to take action. And oh, by the way, to take action wisely and in a timely fashion. Boy, I just laid out a whole bunch of stuff yes, right there, did. didn't I? If ever I feel anxious or stressed, I think about a show that makes me feel calm and ease and this is the way it could be maybe it's, it might sound a little archaic but i think a little house in the prairie and i think if they made it through those times with their blizzards cold winters in the hot summers with little water and drought situations and all that they faced because the stories are so endearing and it it really is hardcore living but here's, the show uh, just looks full so disclosure. sweet. Full disclosure. <laughs> so free. I, growing up, <laughs> had two shows Where about rural living. Hold on. <laughs> Little House on the Prairie and the Waltons. And I just always had this idea that, that they were talking about the same moment in history, in American history. And they weren't. Little House on the Prairie was about like the 1850s. Hey, they actually wore shoes in Little House on the Prairie. The kids in Walton's would run around barefoot. Well, the Walton's was during the Depression. Yes, it was. And, and it, they, had, they had cars. They actually had houses. And, and I didn't really think about that. <laughs> the buggy versus reason, the car. Yeah, that for some so reason funny. I just thought, oh, Little House on the Prairie and the Walton's describing early life in rural America. And no, wait a minute. This was the Depression. That's only 80 years ago. And the other one was, or 90 years ago. Yeah. And the other one was 170 years ago. So when I get overwhelmed, I think, can I provide food for my family? And are you able to make a basic living? And I can educate them. And if we can live off the land, we'll be okay. That's how, <laughs> that's, so it's like, if we have to give up all sorts of, entertainments of traveling and flying and eating out and doing sports and traveling for sports teams and going to concerts or whatever are all of those good riddance that's how i feel like good riddance i don't have to go see my family no just kidding um it just feels like there's a beauty in coming to basic living uh, type life lifestyle where you appreciate and not take for granted and don't get so distracted so there's a family that I, I'm helping them sell their home. They're outside of Moses Lake. I was visiting the home and helping them to stage it. We were walking room to room, and then we went outside. And it's the first time I've ever attempted to help a family stage their goat pen. <laughs> okay? Did, a goat pen, dear. This is, this is a big deal. And how, do you, how are they going to deal with the wolf puppies? Okay. I sent you the picture. Did you see the little yeah, video? It was super cute. It It's a, a part wolf husky mix. So can you breed a 
wild wolf or are they tame wolves? No, no, no. This is domesticated. But so the you... dog is, I heard, anywhere from 75, 70% to 90% wolf. And the first time I met that wolf, it was a, a mama wolf protecting her little mama uh, puppies. Cub? Puppy, cub? Yeah. I and I just stood still. I just thought, <laughs> she, don't make oh, a move. Oh. And she was howling. She was oh. howling. <laughs> And he said, oh, don't worry, she's actually, she's harmless, and she's just a wolf, but what, what, what are you talking about? And it was, it was funny, but it, I guess wolves are very protective, and not nearly as dangerous as I thought. Now, I'm not recommending to anybody to get a wolf, this is a, a breed, a mixed breed, wolf husky, and then the breed was breeding other, breeding with the husky, so it was, it's going to be less and, less wolf. You know the what puppies. they need? They need the best fur remover I have ever found. It is so amazing now that our dog is shedding. And we're going all over the place here, but it's called the Furminator. Instead of the <laughs> Terminator, it's a Furminator. And you get it at, well, I got it at Walmart for $30. What? Just so you know how much it costs, because it's not the dollar store one I got. Okay. Or the $5 store one I got. Or that, the, uh, is that it really go. six times better? It is a hundred times better. I we should stock up on these when when uh the the what what's the magic <laughs> hyperinflation it just comes. Like a, Everyone's a gonna want comb. I don't know how it has a double blade and the kids they were fighting over it as to who got to defer the dog. It was awesome. It's so satisfying because when you run it down the dog's back, just all this fur is at the end of the comb. You pull it off. You do it again and again and. I don't know, 500 times. There um, seems to be no end of fur I know. on that dog. I know. But the Furminator is, would definitely come in handy for that wolf husky breed. So coming back to this <laughs> Wait, family. Going back to Aldi. I was talking about shrinkflation. You're oh, going yeah, back that's to goat fine. pins. Okay. Well, I was talking about <laughs> readiness. And, and this, there is a spiritual principle involved here. We live in the world. But we're not of the world. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. And that means that if we're in the world, we do have to pay attention to the things that are worldly. And when the, do you know the first book written in the New Testament? Do you know what it is? No, I don't know. It's you not want to guess? It's not Matthew. Mark. By Luke, date. By John, date. No, the Acts, Gospels were written, written about 15 years after. <laughs> I don't know. The, first Thessalonians. Okay. And in First Thessalonians, St. Paul has that famous, the one who does not work should not eat. And do you know why? There were folks that had come to faith in Christ and had basically said, we don't have to work. Is they were expecting an imminent return of Jesus because of some of the apocalyptic language that was around in the early church describing end time realities and Christ used language that even appears in the gospels that there are some here who won't see death, but will see the son of man coming in glory. And you wonder, what did he mean by that? Well, some interpreted it as he's going to be coming again. So you see how an outlook on the, uh, on the life in the world that is informed by your faith perspective can translate into a fundamental way of approaching day-to-day -day life. You know, I thought Jesus was going to return in like 20, 2000, 2000, 2001 maybe. I don't know. I was in this religious phase. And that, that makes Carrie, it sound bad. we were bad. married in 94. <laughs> what do you mean? I was, before I met you, okay, so, oh, I was at Franciscan University. Oh, you're saying, okay. So. No, before I even went to college, I was 17 and I wanted to go be a missionary in the Philippines. And I didn't want to go to college, and I didn't need to get a good degree. I was just going to live for Jesus. And my mom and dad said, absolutely not. <laughs> you have to go to college. And, no, mom, dad, I just want to live for the Lord. Well, I'm all no, it was probably Christ. because Jesus is returning, so we better just go all in on evangelizing before Jesus returns. Yeah, I was just so caught up in wanting people to know the Lord. I thought, what good would a degree be? That is useless. And I didn't need to make... An income. I didn't even think about making an income. I just wanted to live for God. And my parents had taken care of me up to that point. So I really didn't know, you know, what kind of bills were ahead of me. But I just remember thinking, I don't need to go to college. Jesus is coming back someday. 
and I just want to be a missionary and live for him. Did you know that? Did I t- have you told you that before? I think yeah, I remember hearing, <laughs> um, I don't know, maybe a couple of times in the course of our married life, that story about you wanting to evangelize in the Philippines. And that it was, it was it flowed from that sense of exuberance, of being just so passionately in love with the Lord. Let's tell him about, um, let's, let, let me spend my life on it. And I think it was connected to the idea that Jesus was coming again. So... <laughs> That was a yes or no question. <laughs> Welcome good. to our marriage, everybody. Okay, so, but you see the connection. See the connection. You look out at the world around you. You see all of these phenomena, and you have to try to abstract from the phenomena. What's the essence? What's the truth of the matter? All these dots, what are they pointing to? And... When you get clarity about what they point to, what should you do about it? That was Jesus saying, you see the clouds in the east and you see a storm is coming. How come you can't read the signs of the time? Why don't you take action based on how the Lord, how the Holy Spirit alive in you is going to help you figure out what you ought to do? And that is not only regarding spiritual matters, but it's the way that spiritual matters impact human matters. That's really interesting. What do you mean by that? What I mean by that is as the priest, prophet, and king, as the father in the home, priest, prophet, and king, lead, provide, protect, I'm called to lead, provide, and protect not only in spiritual matters, even if we say there's a priority to that, a fundamental quality to that, there's also at a human level, well, I have to lead, provide, and protect for my kids here on this earth in April of 2022 in this current environment. So it's everything from how am I working to provide for the family? What work am I supposed to be doing? So even, yeah, think about it. Think hmm. about the, the change we've had in, in our lives where I've done consulting work for 25 years as my tent making so I could do ministry work to fulfill my mission and provide for my family. But I stopped it at the end of April, the beginning of at the end of March. And I'm fully engaged in real estate. Well, why? It, it's a beautiful blend of me saying there's something happening in the world right now, and I want to serve families and minister to them and fulfill my mission doing that and provide for my family at the same time. It was a really interesting time these last six months when I was doing both. Yes. And that for me was what? That was something I learned in business, that sometimes you have to do two positions for a for now until the second position can catch up and meet the needs of that the first position was providing for. And then once I had that level, then I could let go of the first one. So that, that approach to living life requires what? A lot of hard work, a lot of planning, a lot of thoughtfulness, a lot of pressure testing, and then are you going to do it? Yeah, and I feel like we're in a time now where it's going to be even more required I was mentioning Aldi earlier, and it's a company out of Germany, this grocery store. So they're very efficient. They have the best prices. And their supermarket, if you had gone into their store on Friday of last weekend and made a purchase or bought groceries, by the time you came into the store on Monday after the weekend, the prices went up 20%. So that's where you get into it's. See, I don't think it's inflation. It's going to be hyperinflation where prices go up 20 to 50% a month. So we don't even know what that means or how that's going to impact us. But I feel like we're at a point, and I might be ahead of the game, or I don't ever think you can be too, too far ahead. But I just am sensing from what I've been reading and now seeing it's not just the war. It's not just COVID. It's, it's our printing system. And all the money that's being printed. Okay, so two examples of that. Uh, the first was when the uh, when Russia invaded Ukraine, what went up twenty percent in a matter of a day? Gasoline. Gasoline, right? Oh, not a day. It, it may, and maybe it wasn't twenty percent, but it went from you know it went from what low four dollars to high four dollars, four eighty. That's almost twenty percent. If it went up about eighty cents in a matter of what, a week, a week and a half? Yeah. And, and now it's settled back down again back a bit. Back down. But that's one example. But here's, a, here's another example. 
back in December, early January, I was working with a bunch of families and saying to them, if you're discerning a move, consider moving now. One of the reasons why you might want to move now is the interest rate. I said, economists are saying, as inflation becomes more real, interest rates are going to go up. And there were historic lows. You could get primary uh, residence mortgages, loans, for under 3%. It's insane. 2.8, 2.9%. Why did we refinance? Why did we? And so folks would begin to make decisions around the kind of house they could afford based not on the price of the house, but based on the price of the house broken up into a loan at that interest rate. Their monthly payments. Right. And then in January, it started going up. February started going up. And it went from 2.8 to 3.3 to 3.5 to 3.8 to 4.3. Yesterday, I was talking to someone looking at a loan, and it was 4.8, close to 5% interest on a primary residence, 30-year fixed-rate loan, and really good credit score. And we're talking 4.8% or higher. That's almost double. That's almost a 100% increase in interest rate in a matter of a few months. So that would make, let's say if you had a $2,000 more, um, well, Carrie, it's a, I have a math doesn't question. Doesn't get you thinking? Doesn't that get you thinking? Well, it gets you thinking in such a way that says we are up against a break. So, this is these are human factors in the world that also should impact how we're thinking about decisions we're making right now. All right, back in a minute with more sound insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. So, Carrie, we are talking about being in the world, but not of the world. Here we are, headed towards Holy Week, and yet we're called upon to discern and take action based on the things unfolding in the world. You've mentioned shrinkflation, inflation, hyperinflation, going into a grocery store and seeing things change radically in price, like lettuce, things in smaller boxes costing more, so you're paying more for less. Do you know what's really shrunk? Just off the top of my head. Coffee. Yogurt containers. Oh, really? Yes. They used to be a good amount. Now they're barely, you get like two scoops of yogurt, two spoonfuls. They have shrunk so significantly, but you get, I guess, the same amount of containers. I'm talking when you buy like a 24 pack or something like that, but they're so tiny. Well, I think you'll play used to have the smallest ones. But now they're all just super tiny. So here's, we we go out to eat a lot less than we used to because of cost. And we went out to Panda Express. You probably weren't in town. I think I took the kids out to Panda <laughs> Express. And I get the most economic um, meal possible, which is, I don't know if it's like their bigger plate or whatever, where you get three main courses. And I remember being shocked when I got them because we did the drive-through. And what was I shocked at? The lack of... The size of the box. Oh, they shrunk the box? They shrunk that <laughs> box. It was still full. It was a full it was shrunken three, box. You know, it was, you get your three meals, but the box had shrunk in a way that it appeared to shrink in a way. So I went online. I was that mad. <laughs> I went online so and I looked it up. I said, did Panda Express shrink their boxes? And sure enough, there was this barrage of people like me that, knew. that were angry and posted. And there was a, a, Visual. a response from, oh, from Panda, Panda Express, Express saying no, <laughs> no, no. And it had something to do with the form, that somehow it was a deeper box or the shape of the box would allow the they same volume. They should have done the cereal box. They should have uh, just done a flatter, longer, larger square styrofoam and, and just and gone make it, thinner. Make it, yeah, make it shallower. That was dumb on their part. Oh, they should have wow. followed the cereal box. Process. So I'm not making a statement that I don't know is true, but you know, it, it was just, felt that way. I went to get Parmesan cheese at Costco, the pre-graded, and I... Picked it up and I go, oh my goodness, they dropped a half a pound. The size, just every time I go there, stuff is just shrinking. Like I barely, next time I'm going to 
pick it up. It's going to be the size of a tuna can. Um, you know what's really interesting about going out to eat is we went, it was two years ago when we went to Spaghetti Factory. And pasta has to be the least expensive item you can sell. It's just one of the quickest things they'll mark up. Besides wine and uh, drinks and soda and coffee, pasta and rice, they can just... And potatoes. <laughs> All those carbs. <laughs> and bread. But we went out, we got mazithra cheese. It's just butter and cheese. And it was $16. Do you remember that? Oh, for a plate of pasta. I was, sh- I was like, what? Well, you also get the bread and the salad and the little dessert. So you can't forego that, but, or, you know, excuse that. I, I was just, what? For a plate of pasta. And what they can't do at the spaghetti factory is shrink their plates. Unless they, like, get rid of all their plates and bring in new plates that are smaller. So you feel like you're getting a full plate. But that's almost like what these restaurants would have to do to make you feel like you're not getting hosed. Because they raise all their rates. Anyhow, I'm just, this is my one thing that I would never, ever, ever go out to eat and buy. Do you want to hear my... (laughs) Uh, I'm kind of I'm I'm backing my seat up. You, I think I've hit the trigger button here. Just don't get me started. I don't mind spending a couple bucks on a hamburger or chicken, whatever at Wendy's, because they have to prep the food and cook the food, and I can't quite make it that way. Well, actually, I could probably make it better, but there's a lot of prep that goes into certain foods you buy. Like a, the kids want, they are now into the Taco Bell um, chicken or the crispy wrap, crunch wrap supreme. And you know, if you ever go by Taco Bell, the line's always long because they're open till 2 a.m. or some ridiculous hour. And there's just always a lot of cars there. Um, so I can make that at home, but it's like five, six different ingredients. It takes time. The one thing that takes no time to make and the kids love and they mark it up like 3,000% 3, is a scoopful of ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> like how much prep? That goes into making a scoop full of ice cream. You need to open the the gallon, or it's not a gallon anymore. It's like a quart. Scoop the ice cream on the cone. You're done. And I thought that is the biggest ripoff. I will never go out to ice cream except for Gooey's at the resort. That'd be it. <laughs> that is ice cream. But I was just started to think about how much prep actually goes into food that you buy at a restaurant where you don't have to do cleanup, you don't have to do prep, you don't have to go buy the stuff, bring it home. I mean, some people find great joy in that. I don't. So <laughs> I'm like. I will never, ever go buy ice cream at an ice cream shop. So as you're saying this, this is part of that human reality of how do we assess this reality of economy when people are doing well, when the economy is flourishing, when people's pay is able to cover a lot of these kinds of things. And if we need to, we get a credit card and we're not worried about that credit card. We're paying it off. And, you know, this is like typical lifestyle for folks. People are enjoying life. But when life is getting harder and there's something that hasn't changed for most people in this environment that you're talking about unfolding in the last four months, prices of food going up, the quantities that you're getting in many things going down, what is not changing is people's pay. So if people are not being paid more money because of inflation and the money that they have in some of their investments, uh, checking account and a savings account, you know, essentially zero percent interest, you know, 0.1, whatever, almost zero, and inflation is what six seven percent now? Is it, are they saying it's that high? It's it's you. It's like I said. It's hard. It's hard to you know. Yeah. What's the total? Are you saying six or seven percent a year or a month? Because I'm seeing more like a month. I was going to say a year. Is, <laughs> no, look at well, housing. Well, I'm, I'm kind of like listening to. I'm listening to the what's it called? You know, I'm listening to the the folks that are doing these types of you know commentaries. I think so. your real life experience of going grocery shopping and if you pay attention to numbers is going to be more true than any. Anyone on the nightly news. Because I, I can just tell you the example of romaine lettuce. <laughs> it went up 300%. It's like right. not 10%. It didn't go to 220 It went to $6. Yeah. So, okay. So then if people's pay is not going up, then they've got to start making some decisions. All right. I have to start living in a different budget. I have to start planning differently. Eating differently. Eating differently. And I think also, Lifestyle. 
Well, you know, you say we can't go out to eat, but that's not a bad thing. It's a comfort. It's a comfort thing. It's an entertaining thing to just be home and making dinner with the kids or working in the kitchen to prepare dinner. That's a beautiful thing. That's a, a act of love. It's an act of service. It's serving those that you care for. And there's a lot of good in that. I just think we've become so Americanized in some ways in which we live that we've actually lost some of the real beauty and gift of working side by side and providing in harder ways. Or, you know, we say it's more difficult, but there's good that happens when you give. Well, this family in Moses Lake, they are both professionals in their careers. Uh, One's a doctor and one is a technologist. And they have goats, right? They've got a goat pen. They have cows. They have chickens. Can they move by us? Can we share? <laughs> and, and, and I'm helping them sell their house. And I'm like, well, which of this is it? Are you going to take? Yes. They're taking it I'm all. Like, They're bringing what? it all. You're going to take all of it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's figure this out. And it's just a really, int- and why? It's because of what you've been saying. It's that they have taken that sense of discernment to that extent where they're saying, I want to be prepared enough to have all of the basic food groups. They've got huge gardens. Gardens. Definitely want to be their neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for the East, our kids' Easter baskets, I, of course, got some candy, but I got seeds, gardening tools. Did you really? <laughs> gardening supplies. Yes. We're all going to grow a garden. Well, now that we're two years into starting our garden, I think... It would be good if they actually knew how to do some of this early labor. And there's there's a lot of reward from that. I, I grew up with gardens. <laughs> I did. No, next to our house. Uh, on the side of our house, my, my mom had a, a garden. And we grew carrots, tomatoes, lettuce, pumpkins. Um, and, and we were always having tomatoes, carrots, and lettuce. And cucumbers, right? That would be cucumbers, a common squash thing that your mom cooked. Yeah, those were things that came from the garden. Yes. And I, I'm thinking about it now. I didn't really appreciate that. But my dad was always so proud of his tomatoes. Well, when lettuce goes up 300%, you better grow lettuce. That's yeah, it. <laughs> right. Stuck on my lettuce. All right. Okay, we're up against Let the Let us continue. Back in a minute. <laughs> Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. I'm with my wife, Carrie. So, Carrie, we're talking about people taking kinds of actions and having certain attitudes about um, everything from how do I relate to that idea of gardens? How do I relate to that idea of going out and eating or shopping? And um, what am I aware of? All of that is connected to how we see things. And when I'm working with folks that are, are contemplating a move here, I have a PowerPoint presentation, if you can believe it. And and one of the things that I'm attempting to learn from them is how they see this current moment in the world, because it'll help me better identify where they should consider living, the kind of properties that they're going to be most interested in. And so I have sort of big, chunky outlines, uh, three big categories. And the the more the ones that are at both sides of the uh, the ends of the spectrum one is um reality is too big to fail the the world that we have known is just too big to fail so when you have apocalyptic end of the world everything is changing and and zombie apocalypse is is a potential their response is um 73 million trump voters I tell you that the world is too big to fail. It's, no, we're okay being where we're at. And yeah, we're going to have bumpy times, but a lot of this stuff is conspiracies and exaggerations. That's one end. And then, and then they, so why would they move? Why are they moving? So the, a lot of people move, uh, I say, for, there's a push and a pull. Well, why would those people move? Yeah. If they feel like it's, if the world is not so immoral or so desperate, What's pushing them? Because it's a ton of work to move. Right. So they're being pulled to something better. 
Okay. And they are being pushed away from things that they maybe find offensive, abhorrent, and unhealthy for their kids. Like they don't want to do vaccines. Don't want to do vaccines. They don't like what's happening in their community regarding policies and laws around transgender stuff, around okay. equity and diversity, around Black Lives Matter, around this kind of thing, and maybe around a sense of faith and church being compromised. Do they feel offended by violence or thievery or homeless? Yeah, oh yeah. Like yeah. The, just the, the violence that's kind of overtaken certain areas? That would certainly be in the well, picture a lot. as well. Right. <laughs> it's like you keep adding on to the list. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, you're saying then... Well, so there is a lot of push. There, there's a lot of stuff pushing, pushing them, them out, out. Okay. for sure. But there's a lot pulling them here as well. So when they say, how far do I have to be pushed? I don't need to be pushed across the state line to get away from the laws and policies of the state of Washington, I feel fine being here. In fact, it's more my people okay. are here. And then there are a basket of folks who are on the other end of the that same continuum. So the other extre- the extreme? <coughs> yeah, you could call it the, the, I didn't want to say extreme, but the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> I don't want to call your clients extreme. <laughs> well, no, and, and they and, and I say the conspiracy theories are real. And it's funny when I'm going through the PowerPoint presentation and I come to these three categories, I say the conspiracy theories are real. Like, yes. There are certain folks who say, yes. that's right. That's right. They are real. Let me tell you. And then typically they want to go on and share with me a bit about... After they take their phone out of the tinfoil. There are families that won't meet with me on Zoom. That's a for instance. Oh God, I'm, I'm not laughing at them. I just no, and then I and, just like. Well, there's just, a certain there's the a certain email sense. server. There's a certain kind of phone. There's a certain kind of technology that they have uh, committed to in order to uh, provide a degree of protection against government oversight, Big Brother, knowing, watching, seeing, recording, uh, you know, I tracking. think we're going to be you know a year from now they're going to say, see, we told you, and we'll be. Yes, you did, and yeah, we did not listen. Pass the potatoes. <laughs> I don't know. Anyhow, so that's so, the other that's, that's side. That's that other side. And so those folks are taking action based on how they see things. So are they living way out off the grid? So or? that's part of what they would want. They would say, I want to have a well. It's not, oh, darn it, this house has a well. No, thank God this house has a well, so I'm not dependent upon water coming from some municipality. Okay. Um, they want to be able to have a, a source of uh, electricity that they can um, provide for themselves and have protection against power shutdown. They definitely want to provide their own food and heat, uh, and, you know, all of that. So whether it's farming and uh, uh, the, learning the basic trades. It's just like the sustainable living yeah and then um, some homesteading kind of yeah. thing okay so, so who's in the middle group the middle group is well i'd like some elbow room and i want to be able to be in a place where i can be prepared and i'm going to get prepared to some extent so i'll have you know a few weeks of food preparation uh oh i will get a gun license and have a gun and, and maybe learn about that and have a garden and maybe even get some chickens, right? So there's sort of a range of mid, mid-range mid activities. And then this also has these three uh, categories we've talked about in terms of where they're living. It also has to do with how they see the economy and finances. Oh, that's really interesting. Are they all distinct? Like they all kind of follow suit? N- no, I haven't really traced it all out, but I would say there are... In, in that world, there are those who say the monetary system is too big to fail versus those who say you have to be ready to embrace uh, a barter system. Um, and maybe in the middle are those who say it's cryptocurrency that you really have to take seriously as an alternative to fiat currency models. So it's all of a sudden, I just want to serve the Lord. I just want to be a disciple. <laughs> I just want to tell people about Jesus. You just want to be a missionary. I, just, I want to be a missionary. And yet we are not given that freedom to not all of a sudden have to learn financial, you know, acumen, economic theories, uh, understanding where and how to be prepared financially. Like I, I have a brother who has been recommending to me for years Hey, you should go get a ham radio license. 
He said, it's a really interesting world, but it would allow you to be able to equip your family with communication wherever they are that isn't based on cell phones and data and uh, any other kind of... So could we take it to lookout when we go skiing? Yeah. We lose them on the mountain. Although, look out, you can't really get lost. No, you can. He was saying to me that they have the ability, I could talk to my brother in Massachusetts using ham radios. Interesting. Because they have this whole network of antennas that just bop from one to the other right across the whole country. Isn't that fascinating? Yes, I, it is a whole It's a whole world. world. Yes. And it's a world that involves, again, licenses. Do you and feel like we're slowly sliding into the... I, I don't know. I think you and I are um, we're, we we are a little bit like rubber bands, and I think I hedge more towards the first side. I'm ready to go get rice and beans, Tom. We're and you're load more up towards the second a big side. Flat so, at Costco. But even that's interesting because when you're thinking about who your spouse is, you, you're not really uh, interviewing them about what what are your attitudes around the end of the world and what's your where are you at on the zombie apocalypse scale. Like, what's the likelihood that the zombie apocalypse is about to hit? Because that impacts what you value in terms of how you're going to live your life. And by zombie apocalypse, you know what I'm saying. I'm just using that to characterize a a decision. So today on Sound Insight, we're talking about faith and family. Uh, I'm with my wife, Carrie. Food and family. Today was food and family. Food and family. No, it's not just, it's food, finances, frenzy let's get the apps and family it's how we look at the world through the eyes of faith touches upon how we see and take action to prepare ourselves in very deeply worldly matters but matters that touch your fundamental lifestyle and honestly honestly what you teach your kids yes how many times do we talk to families who have certain attitudes that are on one side or the other of that spectrum that they hand it down to their kids and now their kids have that mindset fostered in them uh, around the world around the government around finances so it's really important for us to be thinking about not only where are we being fed theologically around the truth of the faith and what do we believe and how do we live as Catholics in matters of spirituality? But it's also important for us to ask ourselves, where am I being informed around matters of providing for my family, understanding the dynamics that are unfolding in the world, in on the macro picture, the big picture? It's so interesting. Yeah. And so do you listen to Glenn Beck or do you listen... <laughs> doom and gloom if you want to be depressed listen to glenn beck in the morning <laughs> he is so he is so out there he's always and, and, been very and, very doom he, and gloom although only, he's probably the thing is about doom and gloomers they're becoming more and more true to what's going on they're like finally what's we've been saying for all these years is about to happen so what was that guy hal ramsey the late great planet earth and it was about the imminent return of jesus in 1970 Okay, And you had all that literature that it became a whole genre of literature around reading the signs of the imminent coming of Jesus Christ. And and the poor guy was right. Eventually, Jesus Christ came back and came to him very personally when he died. So that's the return of Jesus in his life. So, yeah. Yeah, because people that talk about this talk about it very convincingly and prophetically. Imminently, imminent, imminent, imminent. there's a lot of discernment. Yeah, absolutely. So. I hope this was helpful. I hope this was a blessing. Get yourself thinking about this and and asking, where do I stand? Where do I get informed? And what action should I take? All right. God bless your day. Join me on Monday for more Sound Insight.